Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, where we bring a Fleabag Motel mindset to the five-star, white lotus-looking-ass, resort-obsessed podium of Formula One racing. My name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, my favorite auto journalists, Elizabeth Blackstock. Oh, hello. And Alanis King. Hi. I do want to apologize for last week's episode. My voice was extremely shot. Um, I thought I had COVID last week, uh, but it turns out I didn't. I think I feel a little bit better. Unfortunately, Elizabeth, you did get struck with COVID. I did get the COVID and I'm, I'm testing negative, which is great, but I still have like the non-functional brain. Uh Um, I was trying to type and I couldn't type Charles Leclerc for the life of me. I respect that. I got sick too. Um, I was sick for a few days and then I was getting over it and then I got a death cough. And so I have just had quite a week of illness and it sounds like we all have. We all we did. Doing I, great. I had a crazy cough too. Like I wanted to just expire. My head hurt so much from coughing. Like it was so congested. It was insane. I was coughing so badly that my husband was going and getting me cough medicine at three o'clock in the morning because I was making the most horrific noises you've ever heard. Like it's, you know, when you're watching those TV shows and you're like in the 18th century and there's a woman laid up in bed. That was me. I was the woman (laughs) laid up in bed in the 18th century TV show. And I was just like, this is it. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, I mean, something's going around, everyone. Be but you say, I wore a mask. I like, I, cause I mm-hmm. thought I had COVID anyway, but like also just as like a courtesy to other people, which I think something, it, something we can learn from other cultures. Oh yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> even if you don't have COVID and you have a horrific cough, cover that pie hole up. How about that? <laughs> I really enjoy the normalization of face masks because I enjoy covering my face on just like random days where I don't want to be like perceived at all. I just put on a mask yes. and nobody looks at me. It's Perfect. great. I know. Like pre-COVID, if someone did that, you'd be like, what kind of of deathly illness do you have? <laughs> what are you doing bringing that into this grocery store? But now it could just be something as a little simple as a little cough, a little cold that you just want to protect other people from. Isn't that nice? Well, today we are going to be participating in the 2022 Formula One season review here. Ooh. Uh, we've talked about it week to week, but we have more to say. And we're going to start with, all right, guys, say it with me. Ferrari. Ferrari. Oh, no. <laughs> 
I didn't do it. I'm like the forgotten tire on Carlos Sainz's car. Like I was not there for that. <laughs> Ferrari started the season strong with both Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz in the top three of qualifying at the season opener in Bahrain. Like this looked good. They looked pretty fast. They got Ferrari's first one-two finish since 2019, which was back when Sebastian Vettel was on the team. It was Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel. But as the season went on, Ferrari had this fast car and they had this terrible strategy and nothing worked and they sabotaged themselves, right? And in related news, we found out this week that Mattia Bonotto, the team principal of Ferrari, resigned. He's going to be around until December 31st and then that man is out. And I really feel like this is such a bizarre situation because Ferrari finished second in everything, right? Like that's not bad, but it was bad in the context of what Ferrari could have been this year. And also I feel like they just kind of got memed out of existence because it was so embarrassing to be Ferrari. And also like Mattia Bonotto kind of got memed out of existence as well. I mean, it just shows you how colossal the failure was. Even you're you're right. They did get second place, but the scope of their failures in context of of what could have happened was so bad (laughs) that uh, Mattia had to lose his job. I mean, if we think back to the beginning of the year, the storyline when this year started was Ferrari and Red Bull are fast, but they keep either messing up or having mechanical failures. And Mercedes is not that fast, but they haven't really Mm -hmm. had any failures. And then Red Bull fixed itself and Ferrari did not. And the rest of the year just fell apart from there. I think it's a lot easier to solve mechanical issues than it is managerial issues, especially at a company like Ferrari, which they're very secluded and secretive, but also... Uh, extremely steeped in tradition, as well as being like an Italian company as well, probably has a lot to do with it. I mean, I'm, I don't know the ins and outs of Italian business, but Ferrari seems like a very hard place to work at, especially when you get into the upper echelons of management, where you do have to contend with decades of bureaucratic tradition. I think the funniest thing about this whole situation is that Mattia Bonotto came in and he was the fourth, I believe, team principal that Ferrari had had in a five-year period and they were like putting all of their hopes and dreams on this man that he would raise them from the brink and yet here we are and I mean he honestly didn't do a bad job because Ferrari wasn't doing well the past like five years um the fact that they were second and actively contending for wins is better than Ferrari's been doing for a really long time yes uh but it's it's kind of it's kind of funny how the the metrics change um, as soon yeah. as you get this new regulation set. Well, they came out the gate just so strong with that car. I mean, it was clearly the fastest car. It was the fastest car for probably half the season, mm-hmm. just in terms of design. I was pretty happy for him, you know, especially seeing like Charles, like, like, oh, crap, we got Max, you know, winning last year. And now we have this new rising star in Charles and he's really taking it and seeing how far he can go with it. And then... They just fell apart. I've gotten to the point in my life where I see a photo of Charlotte Claire and you know how you can use those like AI image filters to make people frown? Yes. I will see the most exaggerated version of that on a photo of Charlotte Claire <laughs> and I will not know if it's real or not because that man looks so sad so often because his car breaks or his team just yes. like 
screws him over or something. It's kind of sad. It's kind of sad to not know when that's real or not anymore. I also find it so funny that, you know, we're talking about Ferrari as a company. And Ferrari as a company is like a very strict and stringent, like it's all about protecting the brand and you can only do what we want you to do with this brand, right? Like I remember there was a, mm-hmm. a lawsuit maybe a couple of years ago about someone who owned Ferraris taking oh, photos yeah, right. of models with them and models like not wearing a lot of clothes and Ferrari got mad <laughs> and went after this person for posting photos of their own car because it messed with the Ferrari brand image. There's also, it's been a long running joke, but also truth that Ferrari will not make you a pink car, which to me is so wild. That's so embarrassing. Like, tell me you don't have any women like advising you without telling me you don't have any women (laughs) advising you. So Ferrari takes itself so seriously. But every single weekend, we are going to go and fart around on a Formula One track (laughs) and just completely embarrass ourselves, like to the end of the earth, embarrass ourselves. But no, you can't have a pink car because that is just too much. This reminds me, I have a conspiracy about Ferrari. Does this mean that I get to work the stopwatch today instead of being the one with the conspiracy? I think you get to lead conspiracy corner, my dude. Three, two, one, go. All right, Ferrari is haunted. You cannot prove to me otherwise. The sheer amount of race car drivers who have died behind the wheel of a Ferrari is astounding. It includes Joe Villeneuve, Wolfgang von Tripps, Luigi Musso, Peter Collins, Renzo Bandini, Eugenio Castellotti, and Charles de Tornico, specifically only in Grand Prix racing. It's not counting anything else like the Mula Miglia. All right, these drivers were all treated poorly by Ferrari, and that's the big man Enzo, because he just kind of like threw people out there and said, go for it. And Enzo Ferrari, uh, he he was one of those fellas who just wanted them to battle uh, literally to the death. And that's pretty much what they did. So a lot, I believe, I firmly believe that a lot of these haunted drivers are here and they are ready to fight against everything that Ferrari stands for. Wow. Thank you. Wow. wow. You clocked Amazing. in at 51 seconds. That was incredible. How stressful is it? to do Conspiracy Corner. It is really stressful. I got I got thoughts and feelings that I got to condense into 60 seconds. That's horrifying. It sounds like they need to get some sage in the Ferrari factory, burn some sage, get a hex remover. I don't know, there's probably some sort of crystals that I'm not privy to that could help out this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for me, I, I, I wanted to see uh, Charles and uh, Carlos Sainz succeed. They're, they're Ferrari's best shot at clinching the uh, the Constructors' Championship, and, you know, uh, we, we'll see which driver could clinch that Drivers' Championship as well. But, mm-hmm. I mean, what a, a colossal bag fumble from Ferrari this season. That's the story of this year for them. I, I just have to ask before we move on to the next question. Elizabeth, was that list of dead drivers in your head? Yeah. That is horrific. That is actually the most horrific thing I I've think, ever heard. I think about this a lot. Wow. <laughs> Over at Mercedes, the dynasty has crumbled just a fair bit. Though the constructor was locked in a tight battle near the end for second place in the Constructors' Championship, they settled for third, their lowest finish in years. Lewis Hamilton, their legendary driver, came in behind new Mercedes driver George Russell in the rankings and didn't win a single race the first time in his 15-year career. Yeah, broke his streak of having almost 
almost taking the record for most seasons with a win. Yeah, pretty disappointing for old Lewis there. But I think, you know, if Mercedes comes back next year with a, a good car, I think Lewis has a shot at um, maybe another championship, depending on how good that car is. But pretty disappointing for Mercedes this year. I never thought I'd actually be sad to see Mercedes stop dominating. They've pretty much been at the forefront of the grid since I started watching Formula One back in like 2013, 2014. And it it, it felt kind of empty. I was like kind of sad. I really wanted to continue to see Lewis Hamilton set records and stuff like it's just sad that we're not we didn't see that this year i'm with you uh because i started watching in 2014 when they really started dominating and it's like part of formula one for fans like us is seeing mercedes win like that's just part of the viewing experience so a big change this year well so i think a lot of this is mentality Right. And I think this would be very, very different if Lewis Hamilton had won his eighth title, because I think all of us kind of looked at modern history of Formula One and the Mercedes dominance era. And we kind of saw Lewis Hamilton breaking that record. So currently Lewis is tied for most Formula One titles of all time at seven. And last year they went into the season finale, him and Max Verstappen tied. And if he had won, He would have gotten his eighth, and that would have made him the driver with the most Formula One championships of all time. And I think had that happened, we might be looking at this through a different lens, right? For for better and for worse. Because we'd be looking at this and we'd be go we'd be going, wow, this is different. You know, maybe it's not as entertaining as last year, but this is, you know, we have a shakeup here. I think a lot of us were kind of looking forward to seeing history made because even if you're not a fan of someone it is very cool to witness history it is also particularly cool to look at pretty much the most successful formula one driver of all time and remember that he is the first and only black driver in formula one and when i look at lewis hamilton and i look at his career i kind of want him to just do as much as possible before he can retire because he proved that he can be there and he can do this. And I just want him to be as successful as possible because I think that is so cool. Uh And I think a lot of us have that in the back of our head. I mean, he's tied for most titles, but he also has the most wins, right? So like that does pretty much, that does make him the most successful in my opinion. Like, yeah, we want to see the most championships for sure. But I mean, he is the the goat in my my opinion at least. But yeah, I I still think we got some fight left in Lewis for sure. The man takes care of himself. He does. I also think from a mentality perspective, you know, had Lewis won that eighth championship and gotten that record, maybe Mercedes comes out this year and they're really bad. And he goes, eh, okay, maybe maybe it's time to go now, you know. But there's still that eighth title that you want to get. And so I think there's a lot of kind of want and need to get that even if Mercedes had a horrible year. But you could honestly, when a driver gets toward the end of their career and they have a really bad season, you start to kind of have a downward outlook, right? But I don't think we necessarily have that now because Lewis Hamilton missed out on that major record. I also think that like we we had a pretty big mentality shift from Mercedes as well as a team because that's a team that was used to winning. And we saw in the past couple of years that they really struggled to 
build up places on the grid, like when they had penalties or whatever in like 2016, it was really hard for the Mercedes team to strategize its way back up to the front, even though that car was like the most dominant and they had the two most dominant drivers. Um, I think almost being forced to get a little humble here has helped them because they've realized how they need to fight back instead of just being used to being at the front of the grid. Mm hmm talk a lot about Lewis, but like now we're, we see the rising star of, of George Russell as well. Um, I think we saw a lot of brilliant moments from him this season, you know, provided Mercedes uh, improves their car. I think he also has a, he also has just, he has just the biggest shot, I think, of winning the driver's championship as Lewis. I think George is immensely talented. And uh, as we saw many times throughout the season with his conversations <laughs> back and forth with the pit wall, uh, you know, he has, he has, a lot of volition on himself. He he he's not afraid to to make the calls that he wants to do in the strategy, tire wise, and what have you. He wants it just as bad as Lewis. You know, some teammates are there. They sure they say they want to win a championship just as bad as their teammate, but they know that they're there to be just mm -hmm. backup. I think cough, George cough, also. Sergio Perez. Yeah. I mean, George does. George was the number one driver at Mercedes. Uh, Lewis took that number two driver position and allowed the team to kind of like experiment with his car. That was kind of another reason that he had kind of a rough season was they were just trying anything to improve that Mercedes chassis. But, you know, we got two number one drivers over there at Mercedes. And I think Lewis is doing a good job of kind of mentoring George so he can reach that next level. When you brought up making his own tire calls sometimes, I just had this flashback in my mind to the time he put on slicks to go out in qualifying when it was still kind of wet. And that uh -huh. man just sent it right off the road. <laughs> do we remember this? I do remember this. Man. God bless him. He he had a he had a dream and he saw it through to fruition. And unfortunately, it was, it a, was nightmare. a nightmare. But you know what? He tried. And I respect that so much. So to round out the stories about our top teams, the toppingest team was Red Bull this year. Uh, it had a pretty rough start to the season, but turned things around really quickly in terms of reliability. It became clear around midseason that Max Verstappen would most likely clinch his second driver's championship, a feat that he accomplished at the Japanese Grand Prix. Meanwhile, the team also won their first constructors championship since 2013. But I, as I was looking through the the races this year, I realized that it was only the sixth race of the season that Verstappen took the lead of the championship. Ooh. He and Red Bull had were leading the championship and took that over from Ferrari. So for some reason in my mind, I was thinking that Ferrari had a shot <laughs> for a lot longer than they did. <laughs> uh, but it, it was it was the sixth race in Spain and suddenly like the tables were turned and like the championship was kind of decided at that point. It was kind of a rough year. <laughs> I mean, for everyone but Max Verstappen, yeah. Yeah. Good job, Red Bull. That's all I got to say. Um, Nolan, that was <laughs> so analytical. <laughs> I will never get any kind of analysis like that from anywhere else, Nolan. That was incredible. This is, this is why people come to the show is it's for true. biting commentary and uh, insight like what I just said. Uh, yeah, you know, I've... Complicated feelings on Red Bull, mostly because of last, you know, the, the finale last year, the final race. Uh, I was rooting for Max through all of 2021 because, you know, I was like, okay, Lewis has won this thing like a million times. 
I want to. It, it was exciting for me to see uh, a, a legit challenge to the Mercedes dominance, and I was I was rooting for Red Bull, absolutely. But then when that controversial uh, call happened at the final race, and Max passed Lewis, I think I've said this on the show already, but like that when that pass happened, I you know a, a switch flicked in my heart, and it didn't feel good. <laughs> And I was like, oh, man, I actually want Lewis to win. What the heck? This is so weird. So to see them kind of just walk away with another championship this year, it's like, you know, fair play to them. Good job. But I I don't know. I just I was so ambivalent towards it, you know? Yeah. I think my concern is largely with the attitude that I know that Red Bull is going to be carrying into next season because they just totally destroyed this championship. Um, It was really cool. You know, in Formula One, when you have new regulation changes, it's usually only after the regulations change that you get a shakeup in the team that's dominant. It was wild that at last year we saw Red Bull accede to that throne and be able to take on Mercedes, but they just totally dominated this year. And I know they're going to totally, like, they are going to be expecting domination next year. Yes. And that's oh, it's kind of frustrating. I mean, I think... Red Bull, as much as a lot of us hate it, Red Bull really, they strive to have a plot, right? Like they they want to add to the plot, okay? And so, you know, everybody else is out there and they're like, they're doing their thing. They're doing their jobs. And when we look back at this in 20 years and we look at how just like petty and sometimes evil Christian Horner is, we will appreciate the plot and we will appreciate what Red Bull did for it because, you know, drama is interesting when people misbehave or they act really cocky or they do whatever. It's entertainment. And as much as as much as we get mad at Christian Horner for it, like Christian Horner is very entertaining. You're not wrong, but also I hate it. Like, and I hate that, I hate that I hate it because it turns me into that person who's like, Formula One should be serious and everyone should take it seriously. And I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that at all. But for some reason, when Christian Horner says words, I'm like, I just don't want to have to hear what you have to say right now. You know, like when he showed up to that press conference after they announced the cost cap breaks, right? He showed up to this press conference wearing his little reading glasses with a stack of paper. <laughs> I know. You're just like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure in like 10 years, I'm going to look back and be like, that was the funniest thing. He's going to be happened. an icon. There are a lot of objectively funny moments and it's going to be like looking back at Crashgate. Yes. And being like, okay, well, that was really funny. Like Red Bull cheated and they won a championship and then everyone got really sassy and Christian Horner had his little glasses and was ready to, to pick a fight with documents. But at this moment in time... And like the catering oh. thing, oh my goodness. Oh. We spent the extra money on catering. That's just like, that's amazing. Not a single dollar of this went to the car. It was all just food. Look, I respect it. I respect the hell out of it. Good for them. Good for them. Good for Red Bull. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Another top story of this season. It's more abstract. It's about teammates. We had a lot of drama and some really like nice relationships. There was a lot of up and downs this season between teammates. And in Formula One, of course, one of the big rivalries is between teams, but it's also within teams because in Formula One, your car really kind of determines how well you're going to do that season. And the only straight up comparison to how you drive is your teammate. So we have these like little inter-team battles and it's really nice. We're going to start with one of the more tumultuous ones, uh, Alpines, Fernando Alonso, and Esteban Ocon. These two have had a really interesting relationship. They famously have not seen eye to eye. Uh, it's a situation that grew more and more fraught as the season went on. This year, they had some on-track clashes, um, like at the Hungarian Grand Prix in July. Fernando Alonso went to pass Esteban, and he got blocked. He then said over the radio, never in my life have I seen a defense like Esteban's today. Never. And if you know Fernando Alonso, you know he's had a long life. And you know he's been in Formula One for a long time. So that is is quite offensive. Just like my comment about Fernando right there. Quite offensive all around. Um, In September, um, Esteban got asked by Motorsport.com, is it difficult to work with Fernando? I famously go up to people and just ask them if it's really difficult to work with their coworkers, like their notoriously difficult coworkers. I think that's a great idea. Esteban <laughs> said, no, we have a good relationship. We are similar in the setup work. And obviously when we are on track, each of us wants to prevail. Good for you, Esteban. Um, yeah, no, that that is not accurate now. So these past few weeks, especially... They've been really at each other. So at the Brazilian Grand Prix, the second to last event of the season, they wrecked in the sprint race and they were kind of blaming each other for it. When asked if they needed to make up, Fernando Alonso said, no, not really. It's one more race and then it's over. Finally, you're not being held captive. Like you're making a lot of money to drive a car. Relax. I thought that was like, that was one of the funnier inter-team battles. And like, I really hope that they pick that one up on Drive to Survive oh, because totally. I don't think we got, like, Alpine 
didn't do a ton this season. Like they weren't really in the headlines for anything spectacular. So I feel like we just missed out on so much of that drama that was going on behind the scenes. And I hope, I hope that Drive to Survive takes that and like makes it an episode so I can see them just nitpicking each other in the behind the scenes. And that's what they do. So like just recently, Esteban Ocon said, it's true that I was disappointed by what Alonzo said in the press, but kept to himself internally. I still respect him, but it is good that he is going to Aston Martin and that we each get to go our own way. Oh, ow. And then he said, to be honest, I did 98% of the work and he did 2%. I was overworked. I did all the development work in the simulator and I also did the marketing activities. Fernando, where was Fernando? Like Esteban, like you got to give us some more context here. Like, what was Fernando doing? Like, was he getting pedicures? Like, where is he? I don't understand. I mean, if I was Fernando Alonso, I also would put that in my contract that the other guy has got to do all the work. I won Lama, dude. Wow. If I'm Fernando <laughs> Alonso, I'm using that. Not that I had any competition, but I'm still using that. Yeah. It's a shame that they didn't get along because I feel like Esteban and Fernando actually have a lot in common in terms of drivers' backgrounds. Like Esteban left the sport for one or two seasons because you know he didn't have the financial backing. He's not like a he's not a pay driver. I think he's a pretty good driver. Uh, and you know Fernando is kind of the same way. He came in. He wasn't like they're both obviously like wealthy people, but not like to the extent of some of these other drivers out there. And you know Fernando uh, also came into the sport not a ton of financial backing as far as I know. But, you know, based on Fernando's just raw talent, you know, he's able to prevail anyway. But I feel like there could have been a lot more tutelage between Fernando and Esteban. I think it just has to come down with to Fernando kind of being a very a, a ca- somewhat callous guy. <laughs> uh, he's, he's the like human version of sandpaper. Ouch, Elizabeth. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it has its uses, but it's not like you're going and cuddling up to that at night. I don't know. I think it's kind of weird because you look at Fernando and Esteban and often when you have a younger and older driver set up, like the older driver is kind of trying to help mentor, not trying Mm -hmm. to just like run you over. Destroy. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like usually it's a little more like caring and I'm toward the end of my career and I'm out of here, you know, like. Yeah, but that Fernando's not at the end of no. his career. Fernando's career is just no, beginning. Yeah, as far as he's concerned, he could go and win another like three championships. You know, I, I truly think he believes that. Yes. A lot of the drivers on the grid still say that Fernando is the best driver. So that might be true. He just doesn't have the right car. But it's like Fernando is out here with a, with his world champion mentality still. And he does not give a about Esteban Ocon. No, that's the thing. Is like, you know, you look at Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel, by the time he leaves Ferrari... This man knows, like, I'm not going back to a top team. I'm chilling. I am going to change the world. I'm going to do my thing. And he's, like, mentoring people, you know? He's mentoring Mick Schumacher. He's doing all this stuff. He's, like, our caring old guy. And Fernando is out there just, like, he is still the same hothead as, like, all the 18-year-olds trying to make it onto the Formula One grid. Like, you just don't have that caring mentor relationship i feel like uh which is you know good good for him you know what like you're out there to race good for you dude and you also have the other teams where the relationship is a little more straightforward because they're closer in age they're closer in prestige you know like yeah 
they've competed against each other, like, in karting growing up or whatever. I would kind of like to see them pinned up at Alpine for another year. I'm kind of sad that Fernando Alonso is leaving. <laughs> yeah, but we get Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll. Okay, that's going to be horrible. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I don't know. This could be what ignites that fire within Lance Stroll and turns him into a champion. You know, we'll see. This could be what ignites the fire in Fernando Alonso and turns him into an old champion. (laughs) That would be something, man. I'm here for it. I can't wait. Um, And other teammate pairings, you know, people who are maybe a little bit closer in just vibes, but not still not doing very well. Max Verstappen. And Sergio Perez. Um, Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez, I feel like for quite a while, have been an indestructible duo on the track, right? And this is because Max Verstappen goes out and does his thing, and Checo just listens to what they tell him to do and supports Max. <laughs> and, you know, that's really easy for Max. When, you, when the other guy is just doing what he's supposed to do, that's super easy. We're not having any problems. Um The problems this year started after Max won the championship and at the Brazilian Grand Prix, he and Checo are over there in like sixth and seventh, right? Like they are not doing anything special today. Nothing matters. Max has already won the championship and Red Bull, to my surprise, I did not expect them to come over the radio and say this. They came over the radio and they said, hey, Max, can you let Checo pass you? to get some more championship points. And this is because Checo was fighting for second in the driver's championship. Max has already won, that's over. Checo needs these points to get second in the driver's championship. We have one race left. We gotta get, we gotta win this, right? We gotta win the second best driver. And Max says, no, Max is not gonna do this. So when he gets asked what happened over the radio, he says, I told you already last time, Don't ask that to me again. Are we clear about that? I gave my reasons and I stand by it. And his reasons were kind of just like, because. (laughs) Because I'm Max Verstappen. That was kind of his reason for not letting Checo pass. And, you know, it's kind of trivial to not let your teammate who has helped you many, many times pass you for sixth place. Like, it does not matter. It started this whole kind of whirlwind of issues. So... Checo comes over his radio and he says, thank you for that, guys. Thank you. And team boss Christian Horner says, I'm sorry about that, Checo. Checo responds, it shows who Max really is. This started kind of like a whole avalanche of drama, including reports that Max Verstappen's mom commented on Instagram about Checo, quote, cheating on his wife. She she deleted that comment. Um... But yikes, we're having like a lot of issues here, right? This is not just like two dudes battling on track issues. This is like personal spats. I don't know how you dig up so much drama and so many issues with a person when that person has helped you so much. Like, I get it. Like people, people do bad things in their lives. Yes, you can disagree with a lot of the things people do. But it was just very weird that all of this like kind of hatred bubbled up so fast from a team that, you know, Checo's really helped Max a lot. Oh, yeah. Like, we talked about this in the, the race weekend episode when this happened. I lost so much respect for Max in that moment. Yeah. And I think Checo said it best. I mean, it does show who someone is in a moment like that. It's like, dude, who cares about sixth place? Your buddy, your your boy needs that point. 
So like, had he done that, it probably would have worked out. Yeah. And so after this happened, um, Checo logs on the internet and he says, we're good. I'm going to go back to being the good old teammate I always have. He he tweets, with Max and the team, everything was discussed yesterday and will remain internal. This is behind us and we will continue working as the great team that we have been until now. And this is basically like someone is over Checo's shoulders being like, mm-hmm. you better tweet this right now. Someone sent him an email with that exact text in it that morning and was like, you need to tweet this. That like, exa- <laughs> like I'm just gonna go back to doing my normal thing and you know, being a good boy, right? The weird thing is we get to the season finale, you know, one race later, um, Checo's racing against Charles Leclerc and these two are fighting for second in the driver's championship. Like this is why we had that team order to Max in the first place. And Max Verstappen, says he was glad that he didn't get team orders to hold up Charles Leclerc because I'm going to quote, that is quite a tricky call to make. You can possibly block, but is that fair racing? I think it wouldn't be the nicest way to go out of the championship and end the season like that. This is wild because (laughs) Checo has blocked so many people to help Max, including holding up Lewis Hamilton in 2021 at Abu Dhabi. Yep. which was vital to Max winning the championship when he and Lewis went into the this race tied on points. Like, that was huge for Max. The fact that Checo just held up Lewis to an almost, like, egregious degree. Like, it was it was impressive. It was epic. It was a he- heroic moment for, for Checo. Yeah, yeah, it was a heroic moment, and everybody really celebrated him for that. And, you know, for Max to be like, I don't think that's that's fair. <laughs> Like, yeah, like what, what? You've benefited from this exact thing so many times, my man. What are you talking about? Just weird vibes toward the end of the season from Red Bull. And I think I think that happens when you start really kind of challenging people's traditional roles and places within this within this team and this duo. And, you know, not challenging them in any bad way. Like it doesn't matter anymore. Max has already won the championship. But when you start working against someone's ego and their perceived notions of themselves, things get kind of bad. And, you know, it ended up not great for Checo. He did not get second in the championship. He he got beat by Charles Leclerc. You hate to see it. On a lighter note, we had a really great teammate pairing this year that we are so sad to see go. Um, Alpha Tauri's Pierre Gasly and Yuki Sonoda. These boys were just they were great for each other, right? They were buddies. Even with Pierre having these penalty points looming over his head, like even with all that, Yuki and Pierre are just like very wholesome. Like, you know, their social teams are very good about like including each other on Instagram and like making jokes about each other. Like I see all kinds of memes between these two on Instagram. Like it's so good. Um, You know, they had all these viral stunts on the internet, including... One time they put two people in driver suits where you couldn't tell who was who. And they had Yuki pick which one was Pierre. And he was like, this one, I can smell him. (laughs) (laughs) These two were just, they were great together. And Pierre is leaving next year. He is going to Alpine. And I'm sad. Like they were a good pair. I like to see when teammates are friends or at least like, just buddies um but it it is kind of sad like I, i'm i'm sad that we're not gonna have the rapport and like the back and forth between the two of them and 
the fun that they had as a, as a Formula One driver, you have to do a lot of nonsense press stuff. But the fact that they actively made it interesting was nice to see instead of just like seeming like they hate their job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely one of the one of my favorite pairings this year. Do we know who Yuki's teammate is going to be next year? Nick DeVries, of course. Nick DeVries! Oh, my goodness. That's going to be the shortest team on the grid. That is going to be the shortest <laughs> team in history. Well, now they can design the car to take advantage of their driver's short stature. They're going to be cars that nobody else can drive. Like in like That's 30 so years at Goodwood, nobody <laughs> yeah. can fit in them, uh, including exactly Yuki it. and Nick. Yuki and Nick can get in the same car yeah. and be one person. You know, I think that Yuki and Nick, I mean, I don't know what Nick's personality is like, um, but, you know, I think there's some potential there. It's not going to be the same as Pierre and Yuki, of course. No one can replace that. But I do think uh, that we'll get some good team content next I season. I feel like the, the one thing I will take away from Pierre and Yuki's time together is the time that Kamui Kobayashi, who is another great racing driver, he has a habit of yassifying pictures of everyone. And yassifying is you put them in an app and you use an AI app to like put makeup on people or like gender swap them or whatever. And he put a picture of Pierre and Yuki in a yassify app. And I think he yassified Pierre and like gave him long hair and makeup. And he was like, Yuki, your girlfriend is so pretty. And it was just the funniest thing in the world. And I think about that photo all the time. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thanks to massive technical rule changes, the biggest perhaps in the last 40 years, uh, with more scaled back aerodynamics, bigger tires, more ground effect technology, made close racing not only a possibility, but an eventuality. We saw a lot of great battles this year, both on and off the track, and our season roundup would not be complete without us talking about some of our favorite moments of the year. Yeah, a standout one for me is uh, Daniel Ricciardo's double pass at Hungary on mm -hmm. the Alpine boys. Uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful uh, one-two, two-piece combo, you know? It was so good. It, there were some, like, my favorite overtake this year was Ricardo in Mexico when he started in 12th and, like, battled his way back up into 7th. Even though he got his 10-second penalty for hitting Sonoda, he still managed to, like, get in the points. It was nice to see that he had some some spunk, <laughs> some yeah. life back in him after a really bad year. It was nice to see that he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't just farting around at the back of the anymore. Unlike all of those Ferrari drivers you listed off earlier. Yeah. Like, it was nice to see that he has a pulse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh he's the past master, man. Like, when he when he turns it on, it's, it's, it's something to behold, that's for sure. My favorite overtake commentary was, and through goes Hamilton! Oh my I, God. 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 That just, like... There's some wire in my brain that, like, when I think about that, like, my brain is just like, yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> Instant dopamine. Yeah, just <laughs> dopamine hit from that. My favorite commentary moment, I had this, I had to, I put this in my phone when it happened because I was like, I have to remember this. I'll have to recall this at some point on the show. And this was during Brazil qualifying. Uh, Brundle was like, the timing board's going to look like a fruit machine turning over, isn't it? <laughs> And I was like, w what? <laughs> what is a fruit? I assume he's talking about a slot machine or not. Yeah, like a slot machine or yeah, something. Yeah, but yeah. God, it was so funny to me. I, I died so when funny. I heard that. Didn't they get into an argument over like 
the technicalities of the broadcast during the broadcast during one practice yes. session. Oh crap. What was that? Oh, I, I don't man. know, but it was like during a practice session and they started arguing with each other about the broadcast during the broadcast. Yes. Ah, uh, <laughs> crap. I wish I had that. I totally forgot about that. That was so funny that like, you could tell that Crofty and Brundle were kind of like getting on each other's uh, <laughs> nerves there a little bit. I do have a question for you guys. Do you use the Sky F1 broadcast, the international feed, over the F1 TV feed? No. Yes, I use the Sky feed. I use you F1 don't, TV. Liz. No, I use F1 TV. One, because I didn't pay for cable this year and my cable <laughs> was broken uh, for most of it. So I just had the internet. Uh, but two, I also really like Julian Palmer. So he is pretty. He's getting. He's pretty good. Didn't I like he him. knock you off a scooter? He did. He did. Huh. But that's fine. Right. He did. But that's in the past. We've shout out to him Julian Palmer's scooter skills. Uh, my favorite watching experience. Um, we had uh, Tomo F one was visiting the United States, and he came. He came over to the donut office. Um, that wow, was really so fun. It wasn't us. I it just remembered that you guys also came to the donut office. It was like, what? we had to say, I liked the French Grand Prix where we all watched together, but that's fine. But, I'm not hey, We can all have different, we can have different choices. <laughs> Nolan, Nolan did not enjoy our company at all. He was like, I was that's so That's not true. I totally they did. too much. No, that was a great time. And oh, we, yeah, went to, we, we went to, we went to dinner that oh, day. Man. Yeah, we did. Me and Elizabeth watched the race at like seven o'clock in the morning. And then by the time we got to the donut office, we had already seen it because we were watching the late <laughs> That's broadcast. Right. And so me and Elizabeth just sat in the corner and talked <laughs> the whole time. And we were like, oh, pay attention on this lap. Pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun time. Uh, but Tama was cool. <laughs> my okay so when i read favorite watching experience on our on our list of things of our favorites i did not think of like people i was watching with i thought of like logistical watching experience like on the tv and my favorite watching experience is by far the practice sessions that no one is watching like mm. the like first practice amazing oh my goodness they literally just sit around and they're like tweet us where you're watching from and then they'll just put a photo of like this shirtless man in bed and they're like patrick is watching at home while his wife snores in the bed next to him and it's like what, what, no, what? that's doing? a good answer that's really fun it's amazing. I almost posed a photo myself. I think I'll do we that. Should, next we should we should both do it at every race and like we should do it at every race. And each race, like we just have another ridiculous pose, and like we have to come up with like a really like absurd thing that we're doing. Like, mm. oh yes, I locked my husband outside, or like something <laughs> like that, and like see if they put it on the broadcast. Oh, this is good. This is gonna be some good brainstorming. If you have ideas for us at Donut Racing Show, yes, yes, we should collude to maybe promote the podcast in the background of these photos. Get these, get DRS yes. onto the oh, show. Absolutely, this is a great idea. It's time, guys. It's time. We've talked to our favorite moments of the season, but we can't go without my favorite recurring segment. It's Boyfriend of the Week this week, where we acknowledge who's the best. It can be anybody. It can be a driver, car, a moment, a team lead, a Redditor with a particularly hot take. You get the picture. Who's good enough to be our boyfriend? 
Now, normally we do this with middle school rules, so they'd only be our boyfriend for the week. But once we're wrapping up the season, we're just going to pick our boyfriend of the year. Oh, man. Wow. Of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I'm going to hitch my wagon to Lewis Hamilton. Wow. Ooh. I was yes. about to say Lando Norris. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think uh, Lewis showed a lot of grace this year with um, his car not being so great. You know, didn't there weren't too many moments you could hear his frustration, but rarely took it out on anybody but himself and the circumstances around him. You know, was always very encouraging to the team over the radio. Um, was still, you know, I think grace is the word uh, that I would use to describe Lewis this year. And you know, I uh, Toto Wolf, uh, team principal of Mercedes. Uh, you know, stated multiple times that they know what the trouble is with the car. They just don't, they're not allowed the budget to fix the problem. So I think next year we're going to see a, a new Mercedes, a renewed uh, AMG Mercedes team and Ooh. a renewed Lewis Hamilton. Uh, we're going to see why he's the goat. Um, once more, we're going to, and, and as well as George Russell too, George is going to come in and, and we're going to see some, we're going to see some cool stuff from him. Uh, after his win this season. We're going to see that boy come alive. Uh, oh. But, Lewis, um, just uh, thank you, man. You're 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 a, a, a great role model for millions of people around the world. Did I sound like I was kiss- kissing his ass too much? Maybe. But he's my boyfriend but of the year. great. Lewis Hamilton. I think you're supposed to do that. He's your boyfriend of the year. My boyfriend of the season is this quote from George Russell. And I read. Here's the question. Are you satisfied with your performances? George Russell says, it's always that half glass full, half glass empty analogy. (laughs) I saw this really nice artwork of two people sitting on a bus on an ocean drive. One guy was looking out onto the sea and the sun was shining and he had this big smile on his face. And the other guy was on the same bus on the same journey. And he was looking the other way out onto a cliff wall and he had no view and it was dark and shaded. That really struck me. And it's so true. So many people can be on the same journey, but you've got to take all the positives from that journey and look at the sunshine rather than looking in the shade. That's what I'm trying to do this year. I'm looking at the sunshine. I'm looking at how we've always improved on a Sunday, how the results have, generally speaking, been the best possible result we could have achieved with the car we've got, rather than thinking, oh, we should be winning because we're in a Mercedes. Oh, I'm crying. I got to wipe my eyes. Um... George Russell in this quote is talking about a meme um, based on a comic. <laughs> and the meme is if you Google two guys on a bus meme. <laughs> George Russell is like unintentionally the funniest person on the grid because he's so sincere about things. So funny, like he's man. got his little like colonizer coastal grandma aesthetic and like yes. logs on to Twitter once every year just to yes. see what's going on. <laughs> And it's like, this is the fun, like, because this is a very popular meme this year, right? Like, I use this meme all the time. And the meme is, like, you make a joke about two different mindsets, like your happy mindset and your sad mindset. But it's not, like, sincere. It's, like, it's a meme. mocking it's a, a happy meme. mindset yeah, yeah. and a sad mindset. And just the fact that George sees this and calls it an artwork and, like, goes on this That's whole so monologue. Funny. George new, is the best. New copy pasta. Yeah, yeah, new copy pasta. I will be using this for many years to come. And I just, I think that's what you want in a boyfriend of the season. You want something that is lasting and oh, yeah. 
that you will use for many seasons to come. Liz, boyfriend of the year. All right. My boyfriend of the year is Charles Leclerc. Mm. Uh, that man has no thoughts behind his eyes. None. He's having a great time. <laughs> he is having a terrible time. I love him. I love him so much. Like, this year really endeared me to him because of all of the nonsense that Ferrari was going through. It was just like the Formula One season was just like real sad boys. Like Charles Leclerc filmed live on location with a real sad boy, Charles Leclerc. Uh, it was, yeah, he's, he's my little boy now. I, I unfortunately now have a favorite driver. And unfortunately... He drives for Ferrari. That is a horrible choice, Elizabeth. Wow. <laughs> uh, horrible choice and favorite driver. You're going to be sad for the rest of your life. Um, yep. I want to hear everybody else's boyfriend of the season. So if you have a boyfriend of the season, please uh, tweet us at Donut Racing Show. Uh, tell me. I want to hear about it. All right. Thank you for listening to the Donut Racing Show. If you want more episodes of the show, please subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your mom. Leave us a five-star review. and a Tell kindly, your mom, baby. Yeah, tell your mom. Leave us a five-star and kindly worded review. It really helps us out, and we might even read it on air, like this one from happy underscore sad one, two, three, which is also Charles Leclerc's season. Uh, this person says, quote, love the tone of the show. It's lighthearted, which after 2021 is the only way I can deal with F1. Reminds me why I started watching to begin with, unquote. Thank you. Thank you. That was incredible, Elizabeth. You said this is very Charles Leclerc's season. When mm -hmm. I saw Happy Sad One Two Three, I thought that was just George Russell's burner account because he <laughs> freaking he loves, loves the happy sad, happy sad meme. He loves the happy <laughs> sad the meme. Thank, thank you, Happy Sad One Two Three. Um, we've got one more episode left in this season before we take a break. We're going to talk about the drivers leaving the grid and the new ones joining Ooh. us. Definitely tune in to say goodbye to our loved ones like Sebastian Vettel and Nicholas Gotifi and learn something new about our incoming freshmen. In the meantime, if you're not familiar with Donut, we also have a YouTube channel. It's called Donut Media. Check us out. As well as an automotive history podcast called Past Gas, the 349th most popular podcast in the world. Hey, Check why? it out. Yeah, baby. Uh, also, Alanis and Elizabeth uh, wrote a book. Wow. Called Crazy. Uh, Racing with Rich Energy about the Rich Energy Haas F1 scandal. Definitely uh, get it wherever books are sold. Oh, I just got, I just realized what I'm going to get my dad for Christmas. That's so kind. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. It's a great Thank holiday you. gift. Uh, follow Donut Racing Show on Twitter at Donut Racing Show. Follow Alanis at Alanis and King on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow Liz at Liz underscore Blackstock on Twitter and Eliza Blackstock on Instagram. And follow me at Nolan J. Sykes on both. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Bye. Bye-bye.